Welcome to Movie Oubliette, the film review podcast for movies that most people have mercifully forgotten. I'm Dan. And I'm Conrad. And in each episode, we drag a forsaken film out of the Oubliette. Discuss it and judge it to decide whether it should be set free. (laughs) Or whether it should be thrown back and consigned to oblivion forever. Hello everyone, you're listening to Movie Oubliette, episode 69, the ocean leaping movie review podcast with me, Dan, enjoying the many culinary delights eating out in Melbourne, Australia. And me, Conrad, working my way through the soup section of my vegan cookbook in Cambridge, UK. Oh, I love the soup section. (laughs) In this podcast, we discuss forgotten genre film, sci-fi, horror and fantasy because 90s rave soundtrack animal print clothes and rollerblade friendly cyber bars are how we identify ourselves right conrad Mm, (laughs) we do yeah and we have eccentric handles as well yeah we do (laughs) how are you dan i'm good i'm good and you yeah not too bad obviously spending a lot of time indoors uh, but it's winter so obviously you have to find yourself a new hobby to keep yourself interested indoors so yes i have been working my way through the soup section of my cookbook never made soup before really yeah oh. i always thought it was some weird alchemy that was really hard to do but no. it's super it's easy and really thing. satisfying it's the best <laughs> you just throw everything into one pot boil it and sometimes blitz it and that's it the blitzing is so satisfying, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I love blending things into... I like chunky soups and broths, but sometimes just blending the shit out of something mm. and turning it into a paste is really satisfying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you turn everything into one colour, it's like paint mixing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, yeah. So I've I've done lots of things like carrot and coriander and Ooh. leek and potato and, yeah, lots of stodgy winter root vegetables oh, love it love it mm. that's my favorite oh, we're probably making our listeners hungry now <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, speaking of listeners anything in the mailbag today we do yes on our episode on rogue we immediately got responses not surprisingly from horror queers joe lipsit and trace thurman always fans of the aquatic horror those two yes, they are <laughs> joe lipsit said "Ooh, love this one and trace thurman said it's such a good movie throws people off because it's not super gory but it's impeccably made mm, it is it is yes and i love the use of the word impeccable as well <laughs> so thanks for that trace from dominic dean my favorite bit with john jarrett and a crocodile was actually in wolf creek season one and the boy on the lilo the rest you need to watch epic greg mclean so there you go thumbs up from dominic on the series which is still running i understand yeah it's on stan people in australia (laughs) (laughs) good old stan 
I expressed shock that Lake Placid had only scored 47% on Rotten Tomatoes and suggested that Betty White alone was worth 50 points. And we heard from good old Serge from Cold Crash Pictures. It's Serge. Serge. And he said Betty White did add 50 points, but every other element totaled out to negative three. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Harsh. Possibly true, <laughs> but harsh. And also we heard from our good listener, Nick Hardy, who said Lake Placid is great fun and deserves a much higher rating than 47%. Not sure the same could be said for its four straight-to-video sequels, though. Wow, I did not know that. Me neither. I had no idea. This is just like Tremors. It just it rolls it on just and on. Going. My favourite one is the one that's called Lake Placid versus Anaconda. A crossover. <laughs> a crossover. But if you think about it for just a moment, with the dumbest title ever, because it wasn't the lake. No. The lake was not the problem. <laughs> no. No. So, yeah. So nearly as bad as Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. Oh, right. <laughs> Wrong state. Yeah. Dumb sequel titles. If you know of any more, please do let us know. We're at Movie Oubliette on all socials and movie.oubliette at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Yes, we do. So, Conrad, what's the movie today? Well, I'll just slap on these rollerblades and find out. <laughs> Ooh, it's hard to open this thing up with blades on. Ah. Looks like I have to use a computer to get this one or something. Okay. Here I go. I didn't know computers look like glass pillars. I'm in the zone. Don't talk to me. <laughs> oh, here it comes. Okay, coming back. Okay. Hey, I was zero cool. I'll take these things off before I fall over. <laughs> so, Conrad, what movie have you programmed in today? Today I have the 1995 American cybercrime thriller Hackers directed by Ian Softley and starring Johnny Lee Miller, Angelina Jolie, Jesse Bradford, Matthew Lillard, Lawrence Mason, Renoli Santiago, Lorraine Bracco and Fisher Stevens. My word, what a cast. Mm, sounds very 90s. It does, doesn't it just? Cast-wise. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So this movie's about Dade, a teen hacker who goes by the handle Zero Cool, who was arrested when he was 11 for crashing Wall Street in 1988, presumably using two cups and a string. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how he did that at all. Banned from ever touching a computer again, he moves to New York and immediately falls in with the high school hacking clique. Every school had one. Of course. Which includes bodacious Kate, acid burn Libby. Together they uncover a plot by corporate IT manager Eugene the Plague Belford to defraud his employer and cause an ecological disaster. Will Dade be able to pressure Kate into wearing a dress, smiling more often, and going out on a date with him? Will they stop the plague before he frames them for his crimes? And will they be able to roll a blade through the streets of New York while they're doing it? Find out after the break. Oh, and we'll be joined <laughs> by two very esteemed individuals. Musical ones too, so can't wait. 90s rave, here we come. Woo, I'll get my glow stick. <laughs>
Joining us today are two phenomenal musicians who have contributed striking and earwormy scores to our favourite genre of film thanks to their long association with RKSS, the team behind Turbo Kid and Summer of 84. Individually, they are Jean-Philippe Bernier and Jean-Nicolas Lepi. Together, they are Le Matos. Oh, hey. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Well, it's great to talk to you. How are you guys doing in these uh, strange times? I mean, it's, it's a weird times but uh we managed to uh do some work out of it and uh, enjoy it anyway yeah it didn't shut you down completely uh, a little bit at the beginning i mean we were just being careful like right now we're in the same studio but we're using social distancing and when we jam we wear masks and stuff like that yeah but we still can make music and try to make a new album Ooh, well that's good news yeah <laughs> The last podcast I heard you in, I think you were doing promotion for Summer of 84. You said at the time that you didn't have a studio. So it's really exciting to see you in such a <laughs> very impressive studio now. Yeah, yeah, we have a new home. It's been like a year, I guess, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, roughly. Yeah, we built this new space downtown Montreal, hidden in a basement of a big building. And uh, yeah, it's cool. It's It's cozy. Everything's set up. We're ready to make new music and probably a new score soon. Wow. wow. That's something to look forward to. I'm not ashamed to say I'm a huge fan of yours and yes. I have been gleefully binging your back catalogue today in anticipation of talking with you. So. And of course, music, to segue smoothly, plays a very important role in the film you've chosen for us to discuss today, the 95 cybercrime thriller Hackers. I was wondering if you could kick us off by talking about how each of you came to see the film the first time and what impact it had on you. I mean, I remember seeing it when it came out in 1995. I was like 16 years old. And for me, I was like... Uh, from a super small town, like up north, Montreal, there was no internet back then. I mean, there was, but not where I was. And uh, it was hard to figure out new music and stuff. And I remember watching it for sure, like all the team about hacking and all that was great. But also the music was, I think it's one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this movie as well. It's the impact on us about the music. For me, it was really the first time I was introduced to proper techno or electronic music. Like was so different than everything else. I was a lot into metal and punk rock and hardcore back then. And for me, that was something that was so different. Everybody that was listening to electronic music in my town was mostly cheap dance music, mm. like from top 40s and stuff like that. So seeing stuff like that, seeing the weird characters with weird costumes, I guess they were kind of river kid, but that was something that I've never seen before. So I think it's all those and in New York, like a big city. So everything was so interesting for me. So I think it, that's the reason it had like a, a big impact on me. And Jean Nick, how about you? Uh, yeah, for me, actually, uh, I didn't see the movie uh, around the time it came out. I saw the movie a bit after because one of my friends in CJEP, he didn't know like electronic music per se, but his only reference was hackers so every time like i showed himself like, yeah like hackers like what the? <laughs> I, I didn't even know the movie so i i i went i rented it in a video club to actually watch it that's how i that's how i saw it for the first time wow. <laughs> wow. so were there any um like artists from hackers that you got into because of the movie for me like orbital i mean my dad was a dj when i was a kid and he was mostly playing like popular stuff mm -hmm. that's because of him that i was really into like vangelis and tangerine dreams and all that stuff right or depeche mode and and all that like the 80s stuff 
so I was kind of introduced to a kind of genre of electronic music that was using synths and stuff, but that was not pure electronic music. Mm. I've never heard of Orbital before. Right. And I guess I have knew about Prodigy because it was a little bit on like the MTV sides and stuff back then. Yes. But I've never, yeah. I, I was not really listening to it. And I remember starting listening to Prodigy because of that movie. Right. On my side, actually, I... Um, my brothers were older than me. I'm the youngest in the family, and they were uh, they were raver kids or raver adults, I would say, and uh, they they were making me uh, mixtapes with like all the music that was already in Hackers that I never I didn't see the movie, but I, I like I was familiar with all the songs when I saw the movie for the first time. I was like, yeah, I, I know that I know that song. Oh wow, that's um, great. Uh, yeah, bigger brothers advantage. <laughs> yeah, that, that is an advantage. Yes. So the movie itself is hailed as somewhat of a trailblazer because, as you mentioned, JP, the internet was really in its uh, infancy at the time the movie came out, and yet it creates this whole world of hacking as a sort of a subculture for Generation X, I guess, because each generation tries to create a world that it can call its own. So, you know, with kids in the 50s and 60s, it was rock and roll, and uh, as soon as the internet comes around, all of a sudden it's the online world and hacking in some ways it was ahead of its time in some ways it looks kind of embarrassing now when you look back on it i mean if you look at like i remember playing a lot of like old school rpg back then and i was playing at shadowrun and uh, a lot of like cyberpunk as well so hacking was always kind of seen in this virtual reality type of thing hmm. back then and if you look at movies like back to the future the sequel when they like cars flying and or blade runners and stuff all those movies are kind of in the same place as that one you know hmm. they, they saw a future that was kind of quite different hmm. but yeah it's definitely cheesy but it was i felt like it was cheesy back then as well a little bit yeah you know it is a very hollywood view of what hacking is mm -hmm. although it does show social engineering which is the predominant form of hacking which is that you trick people into giving you the modem number or the password or whatever or go dumpster diving rather than these scenes where people are flying through tunnels of light and tapping extraordinarily fast mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true like i rewatched it just because of, i mean i've seen that movie a lot of time like i actually really like that movie <laughs> but i rewatched it this week just before doing this and i totally I've never really realized the dumpster diving stuff. Mm. And it's actually a proper way to get codes and stuff still is like just dropping a USB stick on a parking lot. So I feel like they, they've been, like you said, it's, it's cool to see that there's a couple of stuff that still makes sense yeah. with what's happening today. There was pretty good research, actually, I think, for the movie. And I mean, at the same time, if if you do the actual, the real thing, it's, it's, yeah, it's super boring. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Not watchable. Someone like, like clattering on the computer. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you want to see like flying in the end, like surfing, actually surfing the internet. You know, when yeah, they're in the exactly. big computer and you see those towers and lights, makes no sense, but it's it looks so good. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I <laughs> thought it was interesting at the start when they showed you know, like going into the internet and it was you know like towers and like circuit boards and yeah and <laughs> shit flying everywhere. And I thought, oh, that's a cool visualization. And then they actually show the room where the Gibson is, and there are yeah. these like massive pillars, and they're just walking around. It's like, yeah, that's not how computers work. <laughs> it's not files stored on glass pillars. It's yeah. ridiculous. With video game sounds every time they hit like enter button and stuff. It, it yeah. sounds like like video, old school video games. And lights as well when something goes mm -hmm. wrong. I mean, I wish like if something went wrong on my computer, like my room just glows red and like starts flashing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
did you guys both see it when it came out or you were well interestingly this is the first time i've ever watched it so yeah it's a a different type of experience for me <laughs> uh knowing anything about computers and going what is going on right now especially that last <laughs> scene where it's just like they turned everything to 11 and there's just shit everywhere like it was just like I guess this is hacking. And I mean, kids in, in the 90s must have been like, wow, I want to get into hacking straight away because this looks so cool. Yeah. You're slim, you wear cool clothes, you get invited to private clubs and you meet Angelina Jolie. I mean, yeah. what's not to like? What's not to like? Indeed. One of her first movies. Yeah. And she's pretty amazing in it. I mean, that was definitely a big crush as well when I was a kid, you know, oh. because of that movie. And she was like so cool and with the motorcycle and the fact that she's also it's cool seeing like i don't know we don't didn't see like a lot of like teenager back then that was with a lot of attitude and being like mm. super good at what she does like better than other guys and stuff in a guy's world i think it's definitely something that was not there in in 95 you know when you think about it no that's very true i mean one thing about the movie that i do grimace at a little bit watching it now is just how sexist some of the characters are she, as kate libby she's always wearing really cool clothes predominantly trousers and they have this hacking challenge bet and apparently if she loses Johnny Lee Miller tells her that she has to go on a date with him and wear a dress mm -hmm. and later on he ups the ante by saying that she needs to smile more yeah and I, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. sit there watching thinking oh that does not age yeah. well yeah when he meets her um, <laughs> and she's playing that video game and that cyber club that never existed in real life and he goes up to us oh you're pretty good for a girl it's like mm -hmm. oh, yeah you. there were some uh, sexist remarks pretty sure yeah there are yeah i think the one saving grace is that angelina gives as good as she gets yeah mm -hmm. she comes across as a woman whereas the guys kind of come across as boys yeah exactly yeah <laughs> she does kind of fit into that that almost manic pixie dream girl but the the other one um people have called it goth rebel dream girl so she's the badass she like dresses differently she's not technically a goth but she almost is and she's not interested but she just smolders the whole way through and then i guess gives in because that's the 90s with romance you just have to persist until they just give up and go <laughs> okay let's be together <laughs> but yeah she's got some really interesting facial features like i can see how girls are trying to look like her and you know with cosmetic surgery and stuff it's she doesn't look like a normal human oh. <laughs> no, it's true. and with this super short hair as well yes. and the weird clothes like she was standing out from everything we were seeing back then for sure yes. it was not punk it was so different but i guess like i didn't really know the rave scene in the 90s mm -hmm. so i don't know if it was something that was inspired by the rave scene or because like if you look at the clothes and stuff i feel that they still like they were weird back then and they are still weird you yeah. know they're i feel like they're a little bit more close to stuff that we see now but they were still mix matching from stuff from the 90s from the 80s or mm. i think that's yeah. something that aged well yeah i also feel like a lot of 90s cinema they were trying to pretty much invent a style rather than copying something with hackers they were just trying to make something new um, and i think of other movies like clueless no one dressed like any of the girls from Clueless in real life, but they were inspired by that movie because it kind of invented its own style of, 
of dressing for the 90s. Yeah, the clothes are pretty amazing. They're designed by Roger K. Burton, a British designer who collects, and I think he has a museum here, of vintage and unique streetwear. And he keeps all of these really interesting pieces, and they're usually just rented out for people for photo shoots and music videos. Right. And they actually got him to design the outfits, and all of it is not based on reality at all, as you say. So there's no flannels, there's no jeans that you could fit three people into. Mm. It's really weird stuff that's just appropriated from everywhere, like uh, Angelina Jolie's wearing like a parachute mm. rigging. And the mismatched leopard prints yeah, on one yeah, of the guys. Prints, yes. Rumor has it, or at least <laughs> I read an article today that suggested that it actually inspired the rave scene, oh. the sort of clothes that people were wearing. You know, everybody was copying this movie rather than this movie yeah. copying mm. reality. Yeah, the other way around. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. One thing they did get right about um, some of the clothes, though, was Angelina Jolie does wear like a rip curl top at one Quick, stage. It's, I think it's Quicksilver, right? Oh, Quicksilver. Sorry. <laughs> Quicksilver top. Yes. So uh, the 90s was definitely a decade of surfwear and skatewear. I had those glasses when I was a kid. Oh. <laughs> I bought them with my money. It was so expensive back then. But, and they look silly, but re-watching it, I realized that Zero Cool actually wear those in one and the scene. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so super weird. And that was like early 90s stuff, but also like stuff that was not that popular and that people didn't really see mm. and look futuristic. I feel like that's exactly what they did. They actually took stuff from everywhere. Yes. Mm. Yes. 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 Well, yes. apparently the sunglasses did have a very practical application. It's because the cinematographer, Andre Secular, who of course had made a big splash with Pulp Fiction a couple of years before, he is using, now I don't understand this at all, so JP, you are also a very talented cinematographer, so you can school us a little here. But apparently he is using a very slow film for the indoor scene, something like 50 ASA, in order to make the colours really vibrant. But because he's using such slow film, the only way he can do that is to flood the sets with blinding light. Wow. So the actors are wearing sunglasses so that they don't lose the use of their eyes. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that can make sense. I feel like I, I rewatching it, there was like this party scene. I was watching it and it's like, wow, this is bright for an interior party scene, you know? Yeah. So it totally makes sense. Wow, it's cool though. I wish the direct I could say to a director, yeah, can we just put some glasses on the actor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I can have like a like different lighting style. I wish I had this freedom. Yeah. <laughs> or that power actually. Uh, one one sort of stylistic choice they did as well with with lighting and cinematography is every time they were on a computer and then it showed their face, it was like the computer projected on their face. Yeah, that's such a nice effect that I've never think about. And I didn't never really realized it until I, I rewatched it this week. I was like, wow, mm. that's that's a cool idea. Like it makes no sense at all. Oh no. <laughs> but it looks so cool. <laughs> Same thing the way I, I don't know the like the process they did, but also when he's get in the zone, you know, when he's acting. Yes. I don't know if they shot it over like a blue screen or a green screen, but they definitely add the background after because like they move the background around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely not a zoom. It's such a weird effect. Yeah, and you have that scene where he's doing some particularly difficult hacking. Yeah, and they're using the uh, time-lapse effect and he's kind of like mm. normal speed, but everything else is like going faster. Like he doesn't realize. Mm. I mean, they do a lot of like practical, cool, like uh, camera effects. Same thing when they're hacking at the end and they 
do those like um, circular tracks. The revolving. Yeah. Yeah. The, the payphones <laughs> revolving. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, it's cheesy. It is. It, it's definitely cheesy. Super cheesy. But, yeah. but I remember seeing the movie for the first time and I was like a teenager and I didn't know anything about filmmaking back then. Mm. That's definitely one shot that I remember, like a scene because I was like finding that element of like rotation so interesting and so different from what I've seen in other movies. Yeah. yeah. And in even the the sort of when they go into cyberspace, into the internet and they're kind of zooming around and stuff. Uh, apparently all of that were actual models. They didn't use CGI. Mm. And I thought that was a really good decision to make because 90s CGI was awful. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't age as much because it doesn't look so tacky. So another movie that came out the same year that was about the internet was Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, I don't know yes. if you guys have seen that one. Yes. I and I remember yeah. they were using more like, I don't know if it was like CGI animation, but it was quite different for the what you see for the internet. Mm. You compare it to movies like Lawnmower Man oh. and oof. Does that movie age badly? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, uh, I thought they took inspiration from Lawnmower Man for the hiking scenes a bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. There's a lot of flying through tunnels of light, isn't there? Exactly. Yeah. But in this one, as you mentioned, Dan, it's practical. So the tunnels that you see a lot of the time, it's just um, high speed images from the underground, the New York underground, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do love when they're flying over, well, literally, Johnny Lee Miller is coming to New York. York and you have that scene of him looking out of the window down at the city. There's this perfect seamless blend from that oh, to their yes. the Metka, yeah. virtual world that they've created just with Perspex boxes in a room. It's mm -hmm. just a model in mm. a room. They do that at the end as well. I didn't notice it until the second time I watched it. Mm. There's like a sort of match cut to like a circuit board at the end. Yeah, mm. and it's not like they're trying to suggest that this is a real place that exists, an alternative reality like Tron. It's just that this is how this generation sees the world, which I think, you know, it's a nice way of visualizing it. I mean, it's difficult to actually show like the real internet or like it's a data flow. It's so abstract, you know, yeah. especially, but I mean, I remember watching uh, Weird Science as well when they act the government to create that girl, you know, it's hmm. also super silly with like weird password and tunnel and, and symbols <laughs> like flying around. Like they always try to just make something visual for people that don't really know what it is just to understand it, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But we haven't talked about Matthew Lillard, oh. who plays serial killer, who is now Shaggy in Scooby-Doo and has been playing Shaggy <laughs> since the 90s movie that came out. Was it a 90s movie that came out? Mm. But he's been the voice of Shaggy for all of the animated series every single season. Oh, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so when I saw him, I just saw Shaggy. <laughs> for me, it's the guy from Scream, actually. I feel like that's, yeah. Yeah. that's definitely the, the biggest role for him. Yes. There's also LC Punk. Oh, yeah. That's a really good one as well. I haven't seen that's that. like, yeah. Really, I didn't know you know that movie, Johnny. Like it's such like an <laughs> hardcore punk-oriented movie. It was actually because of the same friend who uh, who was talking about hackers. Huh? Maybe he's a fan of uh, Matthew Litter. Maybe I don't know. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. 
he is just such an incredible force of energy in this movie, though. Yeah. It's just things he's so unpredictable, like licking his finger and stroking his nipple at one point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I absolutely love him in this and in uh, Scream. He always stood out put it that way <laughs> i've seen like an interview with him that he talked about playing that character in hackers and, and said that he, he didn't have like any feedback prior to shooting to like how to approach these characters and i think he just went for it because when you're not a lead role if you want to be in the cut at the end you need to be like a little bit louder and yeah. more like upfront and that's the reason he went that way so like and do like yeah. he said about the nipple thing that was not scripted oh really that's something oh, he wow. did you know like he was just doing it over and over and and he actually tried to get the lead role and he didn't get it oh. and they gave him like an extra like yeah really interesting and pin from pin and teller is in this which is weird who pendulette pin and teller they're like a magician duo yeah um, oh yeah you're right that's the, the guy with the plague wow yeah. yeah he's the kind of the security computer guy yeah damn i've never realized that i mean mark antony's in it as well like yes that's so weird and he's super young he looks yeah. really young he looks like he should still be in high school yeah, i love when he, he's kind of like uh undercover in the party it's so funny just to just see this one shot and you just see him with like trying to be cool and he's definitely not yeah she's nice <laughs> I mean, in terms of like characters, like I did not like the lead character of Dade played by Johnny Lee Miller. I mean, the sexist remarks weren't great, but he was very arrogant. He would like to show off. He did have sort of a character arc, I guess, like becoming sort of more sort of caring for other people towards the end. Um, but yeah, all the other characters I really loved, mm -hmm. all the supporting cast. Yeah, I love uh, Lord Nikon as well. I think that's his name. Yes. A freak yes. as well is super nice. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool like seeing, I, I've never realized it, but the fact that it's still a like diverse crew, you know, that's pretty cool. It is. There yeah. is so much diversity. Mm. I probably wouldn't have noticed in the 90s, but like any other movie like this that came out would have all white people mm -hmm. and one black guy. But this isn't like that. And even the classroom, like one of the classrooms that they show, there's like Asians, there's like Latino, there's every single race you can think of. And that's exactly how a classroom should look. It shouldn't just be white people. Especially mm. in New York, you know, it's definitely that. That's, of course. Yeah. That's cool. I, I feel like everything was colorful in that movie in, in kind of like clothes and different people and like musics and stuff. I think that was definitely something that attracted people into it. Yes. Yeah. And it's also quite gender fluid as well. I mean, I know they joke about Kate in a the dress. Yeah. And she fires back to Dave that she thinks that he would look better in it. And then later fantasizes about him in one, which we can talk about. <laughs> but apparently if you look in the background of the high school scenes, there are quite a few male extras wearing dresses oh, and a lot right. of like the main characters especially the phantom freak wear clothes that you wouldn't typically expect a guy to wear at high school you mm. know like a crop top with a pink fluffy kitten on it mm. <laughs> and matthew lillard's often wearing these cute little crop tops and exposing his midriff yeah mm. and he's got like pigtails you know. <laughs> yeah pigtails <laughs> so it's surprisingly gender fluid in how it presents its characters which is great and way ahead of its time i mean i don't know what new york was like in 95 but at the same time it's so disappointing to have this crew of people place a personal ad on behalf of the secret service guy richard gill yeah. saying that he wants to be physically attacked by a transvestite that that's his fantasy mm. and this is used as a way to humiliate or threaten him and you think oh you were so close movie it's like they take giant leaps forward 
especially for 1995, and then stumble backwards. Yeah, I feel like that thing that was such a big joke. That's definitely not a joke, but like same with I rewatch uh, Ace Ventura not too long ago, and yeah, <laughs> it's it's brutal. Mm, like seeing yeah. it now, like I see it definitely differently. But yeah, so I feel like it was definitely kind of another era, not to excuse anything at all. But yeah, you're right. Like there was such cool stuff. Like same thing with Acid Burn when she talked about like, you never heard her talking about her dad or something. It's always about her mom. And she wrote a book that was so big and stuff like that. Mm. So I feel like there was bringing a lot of that into the movie. And and you're right. There's those small sexist comments by the lead role. But it's always him. It it's just him. <laughs> like it's not like other characters. It's weird. Yeah. That, that's why yeah. I don't like his character because yeah. everyone, if you take him out of the equation, everyone treats Kate equally. She is not a girl. She is one of them. Like, uh, it's just Dade being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, they quote the famous hacker manifesto that says, you know, yeah. we live in a world that doesn't have color, that doesn't have gender. Mm. This cyber world that leaves all of that behind, all those prejudices behind. And then you've got Dade being sexist. Yeah, It's yeah. a bit disappointing. I mean, the director was also proud of the fact that he has Lorraine Bracco playing this character, Margot, who is on the board of a big tech giant but then she's kind of shown to be really dumb so it's not that progressive Uh, it's not and she seems to be in the thrall of the plague character and even in his bed and just going along with his crimes and then she's left behind to carry the can and take the blame for it at the end yeah there's nothing nice about her she's she's like not good at her job that's definitely what they're showing that movie yeah using like the worst password ever you know and stuff like that yeah. that he told him that he's not supposed to use you know god i mean that password yeah. thing is that is that <laughs> yeah. true really it's like millions of people using only four different passwords like what was that six god love and secret like oh yeah that's ridiculous people <laughs> what's wrong with you in 1995 it was true yeah maybe back then yeah i mean you compare it now and it's like a minefield trying to come up <laughs> with a password because it has to have a capital letter and it has to have a numeral and it has and to special have special characters and yeah. <laughs> special character yeah. and it has to be at least 19 characters long <laughs> one two three four god yeah. and the o is a zero and then you're good <laughs> yeah <laughs> um a scene that like boggled my mind when he hacks into the tv studio at the start and like it starts like automating the machine to like play different VHS tapes. It's like, <laughs> holy crap! TV used to be just videotapes played back. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. We used to have like a place in Montreal that was uh, from the National Film Bank. That there was like a place that you can go and watch movie for free. Oh, kind cool. of a library, but when you sit at a booth with a TV and you choose your movie, you actually see the robot arm taking the laser disc oh, wow. and put it in your player. So first time I saw that, I was like, wow, that's just like hackers, you know. <laughs> oh wow. We're living in the future. <laughs> yeah. Finally. <laughs> now it's time for random trivia. So, Dan, what fascinating piece of trivia have you managed to hack out of your local Gibson today? There's one thing I was actually really surprised by. Um, Even though this movie is super crazy and not actual sort of representation on the internet, there were a number of things that were real that I couldn't believe until I looked it up. 
It's mm. like how they trick payphones mm-hmm. and making like free calls. It mm-hmm. was a real thing that they did. So all you needed to do was to record the tone once you put the money into a payphone oh, wow. and play back that tone. That method was called freaking, spelt with a ph. Mm. <laughs> like, of course, the character freak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's spelled his name that way. Wow. And the other thing he does with the phone that because of that we tried was like the way you can like uh, dial the telephone. Number Number just with the uh, of oh, the receiver, the on, the yeah. on off switch. If you just like, yeah, punch in the numbers. Yeah, wow. Because I did read. I mean, this is straight from Wikipedia, so this could be all <laughs> wrong. But the whole freaking thing uh, was using a device called a red box. But other things you could use was like a dictaphone, which is what they use in the movie. Um, but you could also use one of those greeting card audio recording, like huh. greeting cards as well, that you could record, you know, a greeting. And, <laughs> like that's insane. Not the most secure things, payphones, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our trivia. Yeah. So how do we feel about hackers and its technology and its vision for the future? One one of the pieces of equipment I didn't really understand was so the plague, the sort of big bad guy in this movie <laughs> his interface is just circles mm. like it's not even a keyboard it's just a whole bunch of circles what, <laughs> what was going on there yeah you need you need to be an hacker to understand that actually oh yes of course definitely <laughs> <laughs> but also i don't know if you've seen it rewatching it but when the plague is playing his like virtual reality game oh yes he has like his helmet and his like controller and he actually punch with his hand that it doesn't have any sensor in it oh yeah right. <laughs> it's so bad like it's just punch with a regular hand like no yeah. sense the actor was just into it and don't understand at all like what he was doing no mm. it's funny it is quite naive in a number of ways and it's like when the character joey is breaking into the gibson a little nod to william gibson their supercomputer pendulette says the gibson's working really hard enough for 10 users and you cut back to joey and he's browsing folders i mean if, if this taxes their supercomputer it's not very super. <laughs> I mean, I was surprised how many systems were connected to the internet well, in this movie as well. Like the sprinkler system at, at the school. Like, why was that connected to the internet? Yeah, uh, and traffic lights. Mm. <laughs> now it would it would make sense. Back then, no way. No. Oh yes, yes. Now a hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like that's actually like interesting that they kind of like see something before it actually happened, you know? Mm, All that, like, technology that's, like, your house is, like, you can change your temperatures and stuff like that. Exactly. But uh, back then, there was, like, I never thought about that. Yeah. But we don't have flying cars, like they said (laughs) we should have. Although I think there would be so many accidents if we had Oh, that's a good thing, yeah. That's definitely a good thing. And we're not hoverboarding either, which is such a shame, because that's always a key part of any future. It's futuristic skateboarding or rollerblading of some kind, Mm -hmm. I noticed. There's definitely a lot of rollerblading in this. I mean, everywhere. Rollerblade in 95 was like such a big thing. Yeah. I mean, I was like a rollerblader in skate parks and stuff for years. Oh, wow. I don't know. Maybe like I've never realized where I started to be interesting in rollerblading. But maybe I got my first pair because of that movie. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, everybody's rollerblading everywhere. Like if it's like an actual good way of transportation and it's definitely not. But <laughs> everybody's like just like going around the city on rollerblade in this movie. Yeah. Even during a car chase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, uh, when you look at it now, it just seems really silly, this movie, um, and how it's kind of stylized, and they definitely took some creative liberties in terms of the internet and computers and what was actually possible. Mm-hmm. But I do feel this movie is very influential. Like, there were lots of similarities between this movie and The Matrix and other movies that came after. I do think, like, it paved a way for a genre of film. Yeah, I think there are similarities with Fight Club, too, which came later in the 90s. 99. Yeah, 99. I mean, this is the more positive one because it's young people creating a world of their own that will become a reality for the next generation. And it ends with uh, the young couple looking out at the cityscape that they've transformed, they've seized control of. And in Hackers, it's positive because it's, you know, just painting their name in lights across the skyscrapers, whereas in Fight Club, they're blowing them up and destroying people's credit card debt. Mm. So it's more yeah. guys having a quarter-life crisis and creating anarchy with, with music by the Dust Brothers. And there's even some dumpster diving too. So I feel like this movie is more influential than its box office would suggest. That's the reason we wanted to do that movie as well. It's just, yeah, definitely the music sides and stuff. But I feel like that movie was kind of like, I can't remember if it was popular back then. Like I remember liking it, but I don't think people was really enjoying it. And it just t- turned like 25 years right, old. Yes. So it's weird. I feel like that movie was kind of like under the radar, kind of like underrated. It's definitely wacky and cheesy, but I still feel like it was like a movie for teens. You know, mm. it was made to be, fun and and it's kind of movie like you said when you're a teenager you definitely want a computer after this and you want to be like in that kind of world but yeah I feel like it's kind of a movie that's a little bit forgotten yeah it is yeah 15 million budget according to the director and the box office 7.5 so it, it did not do very well and in terms of Johnny Lee Miller it was eclipsed entirely by train spotting interesting Mm -hmm. because I do see a lot of similarities to train spotting in terms of the music yeah like train spotting was very rave heavy as well underworld underworld 100%. Yeah. And it's interesting because Danny Boyle hired Johnny Lee Miller because Ian Softley, the director of Hackers, showed him a rough cut of his movie so that he could see Johnny Lee Miller in action. And so he hired him. But one does wonder whether he heard the soundtrack and thought, "Mm." (laughs) Uh, I don't know, because the soundtrack to Shallow Grave, which came before Trainspotting, is very similar as well. No, that's true. Yeah, a lot of techno. But the roles are so different as well. Like, he's the lead, you know, the pretty boy in this movie. And in Trainspotting, he's sick boy, right? He's the kind of dysfunctional... uh, (laughs) As much as I love both movies, I mean, Trainspotting is something else, you know? Of course. It's definitely a masterpiece in era and filmmaking. I mean, it's different. It's definitely two kind of movies, but yes, yeah. But, yeah. but for Hackers, I think the soundtrack is one of the reasons why you wanted to talk about the film. And as you said, Dan, very techno heavy. And I think, you know, 1995, it feels like it was the early days for techno. Or am I getting that wrong? You're, yeah, you're getting it wrong. Techno was started <laughs> in it. Sorry. Shame on you, Conrad. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, techno started in the 80s. Mostly. Okay. Through house music in Detroit and uh, mm. also Germany. Yeah, of course. Graphic. Yeah. But it was definitely, I mean, like I said, maybe it's because the internet was not there and I was living in a super small town that nothing was going there. But for me, I, I feel like the biggest thing about electronic music is when Daft Punk came out with, uh, what's the uh, the first uh, Daft Punk? Or- yeah, Daft Punk. 
Da Funk. Yeah. So I feel like before that, like there was not that much electronic music like playing in outside of like a specific genre of people that was actually into it. Yeah. I remember when Daft Punk came out and it was just like a different type of music. Like I'd never heard anything like that before. It was like dance music, but it wasn't dance music at the same time. They used a lot of, you know, vocoders or talk boxes and stuff. They were great. Talking about synths and, and sort of equipment, was there anything in this movie in the hackers that you could hear that was very sort of of the nineties, like equipment wise? Uh, three oh three, I guess. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, like samples, like uh, drum beats, mostly like uh, the stuff um, from Orbital. Mm, I mean, sure. Prodigy was using a little bit of the Acids vibe as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't hear much three oh three. In hackers maybe something similar to it but uh i think it's like this one track i mean i can't remember what track of prodigy but that has kind of like that sound that's a little bit more like drum and bass uh acid a little bit uh voodoo people i think i can't remember if it's that one or one love right yeah i need to check again uh the 303 is that that acid bass Sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think Behringer have released like a, a clone yeah. of it. TDO3, I think. I really want it. <laughs> For so little money as well. They're super Actually, cheap. They're so yeah. much cheaper. They're very affordable. But we got the new version from uh, Roland. Yeah, that one. Ah. So it's like their new, they reissue like a version. And we we actually did a track that was kind of inspired by Agger. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's wow. maybe, maybe something that's going to come up on the new album. We'll see. But yeah, we were playing around. In that like uh, drum and bass vibe a little bit. Wow, Ooh, that's cool. something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I love synth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, I think you can see that we actually like synths a lot as well. <laughs> it's kind of an obsession, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like an addiction. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to you live from the Movie Oubliette Theatre, it's the prestigious Movie Awards. It's the Moobly Awards, where we ring up from payphones and nominate to our local DJs our favourite techno-inspired parts of the film in the number of top-scoring PlayStation 1 game categories. Best quote. So my favourite quote comes from Lord Nikon, and it's when Dade reveals that he's the legendary hacker Zero Cool, and he says, I thought you were black, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> An ad lib on his part, apparently. Oh, really? Uh, Lawrence Mason. Yeah, the actor <laughs> Lawrence Mason made that up on the set and was really surprised when it ended up in the movie. Oh, cool. Did you guys have a favorite quote that you can think of? I was obsessed with the, like, uh, fight with the best I like the rest, <laughs> for sure. Ah. But that was kind of a cool line, I feel. Yes. Yeah. You know, when serial killers, like, leave a, a message, it's like when hackers leave <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jean-Nic? I'm not sure. Like uh, when uh, Angelina Jolie's character and uh, Dade, the friends think they're they're, they're going to be dating, and then they say uh, one's name is like Crash or Variety, and the other one's name is Acid Burn. Yes. So they say Crash and Burn. Yes. Kind of like, <laughs> I thought it was so cheesy, but funny at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. They were made yeah. for each other. They were. 
Best hair or costume? I'll get in early and nominate Matthew Lillard's plaits. Uh, Especially when he has four of them and they're all different lengths. I feel like them flying around his head really adds to his energy on set because his performance is already really physical and having those plaits really accentuates it. Oh yes, he does have a signature look. How about you guys? I find like uh, Matthew Lillard the tiny small round glasses they look oh, oh, the blue ones yeah <laughs> oh my god that's so 90s like I, I close my eyes and i think of hackers the the first thing i see is actually matthew litter with those small glasses yeah yeah <laughs> so small but hell yeah i know it's almost like why bother wearing them how much protection are they giving <laughs> most 90s moment i mean rollerblade <laughs> yeah yeah in line skating oh yeah i love how the the bar that they go to is like rollerblade friendly and there's like ramps everywhere oh yeah yeah it's accessible too it's awesome. <laughs> well using a payphone for me like uh, yes yes yeah yes. it's very true because this movie is is like pre-mobile phone just which is exactly. pretty amazing yeah. pager i yeah, know pagers. pager i don't even know how pages work how do pages work <laughs> <laughs> you page your number and they call you back. I feel like that's okay. that was yeah. about it. Yeah, we should still be using pages. <laughs> <laughs> still at use at the University of Cambridge. I'm really? sorry. To <laughs> say. No. <laughs> so, yeah. do you have a pager? I do not. No, <laughs> that's not bad. Favorite scene. I love the uh, challenge acting scene, like the playful between like Dade and and Burn, and they're mm. just like going at it at each other with all the crew just like trying to cheer them up and they go on the top of the building and and they do all those crazy stuff with oh, the yes, uh, yes. it's kind of like a montage like it's a classic montage mm. over a prodigy track mm -hmm. with cool kids so i don't know there was always something really cool about that scene yes yeah it's probably where you get the most sense of hacking being fun i think mm -hmm. how about you john nick what's yeah. your favorite scene well i like the part where um, you know the first day of school of a uh, date and then he gets pranked to go on the roof oh uh, yeah such a thing that you people do to you in high school and like uh, initiation. I don't know if you guys call it that, mm -hmm. but we had like a, when the first day of high school, there was like initiations that people did crazy stuff to each other, like uh, people be, like give each other wedgies and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So yeah. it reminded me of like high school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. such a good prank, though. I love the fact that when yeah. he goes up there, there's so many other kids that are yeah, falling for it. <laughs> Hold the door. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Go see the pool on the roof. And Dave <laughs> does um, pay her back in the end because they end up in a pool at the end on a rooftop. Mm -hmm. So there's mm. a callback right at the end of the there movie. Mm -hmm. My favorite scene, as ridiculous as it was, was the last big hacking showdown. I just gave up trying to understand. I was just like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to accept this. This is what hacking is. Uh, and all the viruses, <laughs> like the bunny virus, and then there was a cookie monster virus, and they were going on about cancer. There's like lights flashing, and the pillars were like sparking, because that's what computers do. They spark when they're getting hacked. And Of course. Yeah, um, yeah it was just like, the revolving payphones. Oh, they just threw everything at that scene. It was great. IMAX. <laughs> It is. You've got to throw everything at the climax. Mm. Most cliche thriller moment. I feel like everything's a cliche in this movie, but... <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Everything is. I, I'm, the thing I was going to say is computers just make a lot of noise. 
in sort of exactly. these kind of sci- sci-fi thrillers. Every single thing you do on a computer makes a noise. Mm. I love the scene when they're about to do the hacking showdown in the payphone booths and they all turn on their laptops and they've all got different sounds and different like startup screens. That's not possible <laughs> in 1995. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I remember when I got Windows 95, you could do those sort of sound themes. And so I would set up all of the different noises for every single thing that I did on my computer. And that lasted for about a day. Yeah. And then you'd get really sick of it and turn them all yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was having fun actually just changing the sounds themselves. In the file, you just change the name and you just put another sample. So like parts and stuff. <laughs> the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Windows opens up. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, you could do that back then. You could, yeah. Early form of hacking. Yeah. <laughs> Best special effect. Just all the cyberspace flying around and craziness. It looked like you were in a well, you know. <laughs> how you would imagine <laughs> what was inside a computer. Yeah, I thought it was effective and, and the fact that they didn't use it in, like limited CGI, it was, it was a good choice. We talked about it earlier, but the fact that screen actually projects image on their face, mm. that was a cool effect they did. That and the way they kind of like use those effects to make you understand or feel that they were kind of in the zone and like yes. focused on their computer. I think they did it really well. And that was with the light and with the, the weird background that was changing, kind of like disappearing or changing mm. distortion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Favorite sound effect. There was nothing definitive. It's just all, all the computer sounds were great. I really liked them. Like I said before, a lot of wishes and transition sounds the, the sound designer had a blast making this movie because there's a lot of sounds yeah yeah a lot of synth a lot of electronic stuff exactly i mean that when he types the mechanical keyboard sound in the room that kind of like fake delay reverb kind of stuff i feel like that's a sound effect that i remember from seeing it and i still like focus on that because i mm. think it's so fun yeah it makes no sense but it's something that i've never heard anywhere else before after that. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Most funniest moment. The funniest scene for me was uh, when Dade, he's like prepping for hacking or something and is reenacting the scene from Taxi Driver in front of the mirror. Like, mm-hmm. you're looking at me. But instead of like whipping out, you know, guns, he's whipping out floppy disks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> Yeah, 3.5 inch floppy disks. Yeah, yeah. the weapon of choice yeah. for every hacker from the 90s. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. For me, in the diegetic sense, I thought it's probably the scene where I think it's serial killer is stealing something from an electrical engineer's van. And when he pops up from a manhole and catches him in the act, serial killer just shouts, truck, oh, yeah. and runs away. <laughs> and so the guy ducks back in again, which I thought was really funny. Wow. I feel like everything with the plague for me is like, I find it extremely funny, but not because it is funny. I think it's just like everything about that guy is super cheesy. He's lame. Yeah. Yeah. He's a quintessential <laughs> 90s villain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So every line, everything, every time you think he's cool and the way he talks to you, like he's part of like this hacking, like he's just like a loser that doesn't have any friends, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. just, he's kind of like pathetic, but I feel like rewatching it, it's just like, it was weird back then and it still is. Like I feel like everything about him is, it's kind of funny. Yeah. But, 
mostly laughing at him. Like that scene where he meets Dade, he rolls up holding a car <laughs> on a skateboard? Come on. That, you don't, yeah. who, who thinks that's cool? No one. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing about that scene that I don't understand, because I think he's older. I mean, he is. He's an adult. He's working. And, and I think he's trying to hold on to his youth. So I think that's his car. I think he has <laughs> yeah. a chauffeur-driven limo, but instead of sitting in it, he's hanging onto it and riding a skateboard like yeah. Marty McFly from Back to the Future. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. a... That's really sad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Tragic. It actually is. Yeah. Okay. And that's our Moobly Awards. Yeah. Hey, this is Don Mancini, the creator of Chucky, and you are listening to Movie Oubliette. Oh yes, oh yes, get your chunky 90s laptops out. It's time to pit our best viruses against each other in Final Verdict time. (laughs) Should hackers be freed to infect the global interwebs for everyone to enjoy on their Pentium PCs or should it be infected (laughs) with every worm and Trojan horse with the dire message, arf, arf, gotcha, and be deleted from all hard drives lost in the oubliette cyberspace. We are here with Lamatos. Should hackers be released? I mean, I, I'm biased. I feel like it's maybe it's nostalgia or something. But for me, yeah, it should be released. I feel like people should enjoy it now more than ever. Yes, mm. yes. How about you, Jean-Nic? Yeah, I don't think that movie should be in the oubliette. It's something else to uh, actually watch this movie. It's it's like a um, picture of like 1995 era, I think. I think it, uh, it it holds its own. Yes, yes, I would agree. It it is such a time capsule of the nineties. Exactly. Like I have never exactly. watched such a nineties film before, ever. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to know what the nineties was like, yeah, watch Hackers because that's exactly what it was like to a you know with some creative freedoms. But I think it's it's super wacky. It's super cheesy. Like, there's so much kind of wrong with this movie if you kind of look at it. But it's so much fun at the same time. Like, you just accept it. You're there for the ride. And it's ridiculous. Like, there's so many scenes that I thought, what? Who wrote this? And did they know anything about computers? (laughs) 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 It's so strange. Yeah, I have problems with the main character, but I loved every other character and I thought it was loads of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly less enthusiastic about it than you guys. I'm quite famous on this podcast for not liking the 90s <laughs> quite as much as I like the 80s because I'm more of an 80s kid. And I think that there are some problematic elements in this movie. I think I have trouble with the sexism and also the negative attitudes towards transgender issues, which is not great. But it has to be said, the film looks incredible. It looks unlike anything else from the 90s. Everything else was kind of pastel, and this has colours that really Mm. pop. Yeah, The soundtrack is obviously sort of genre-defining and so good that it spawned three volumes on CD, which is pretty incredible. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I do think it is a good movie. And I think if you want a time capsule of 1995 that was really quite progressive and more diverse than you might expect, then uh, it's well worth checking out. It is. But not for its realism on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't think about it. Just turn your brain off and just accept it that these people were hacking on their 1995 laptops using dial up. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
This one's got a 28.8 megabit per second modem. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess we better start sending it now because it's going to take ages to upload over 28.8. So off you go, hackers. So JP and John Nick, it has been amazing having you on the show. And I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed hearing your thoughts on this movie. Where can they follow you and uh, what can they look forward to hearing from you next? So we're everywhere on social like Twitters and Instagram and also Spotify and Bandcamp. Uh, If you just like Google our name, Lematos, you'll find it pretty quick. In terms of like a future project, we're back in the studio trying to make a new album and and we'll have like a small uh, EP that's overdue, not something new, but something that was never released that should come up in the beginning of the year. Oh. So yeah. I did want to ask, is Turbo Kid 2 in the work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we can say, but like, uh, I mean, I've read a script. That's all, the only thing I can say. Okay. So possibly we're still trying to make it, but uh, I have hope. Yeah, I've right. been excited ever since um, No Tomorrow's came out. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're we're ready to score uh, Turbo Kid, but uh, they're not ready. <laughs> no. My body is ready for Turbo Kid too, but yeah, we are so ready for Turbo oh, Kid yes. too. Oh, yes. Especially if it produces another album because that soundtrack is incredible. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. And listeners, if you want to keep up to date with our podcast, we are Movie Oubliette on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can email us at movie.oubliette at gmail.com. We always love to hear from you. Please do get in touch. Yes. And if you haven't already, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever other platform you are using. Indeed. And if you would like to support the show, head on over to Patreon, where for as little as a dollar, you can nominate and vote on films for us to cover in future episodes and hear extra special extended bits from episodes, including our guest interviews. And for $5, you get access to all of that and exclusive bonus minisodes where we review new movies yes yes we do it's all good Mm -hmm. so conrad what what are we doing next episode we'll be celebrating the 40th anniversary of a very special film to mark the occasion of the most romantic day of the year we'll be doing the 1981 canadian slasher film my bloody valentine oh i haven't seen this one no me neither oh so it will be a so we'll look forward to that in the meantime thanks Lamatos for being with us and taking us on a lovely nostalgic musical trip through the 90s we love talking about movies so it's cool well we can't wait to hear whatever you are coming up with next thanks for being here yeah (laughs) cool catch us in the next episode listeners bye for now thank you guys take care bye Spandex! It's a privilege, not a right!